You sisters know that my skin has been glowing lately. And I'm here to tell you my secret. Oak Essentials. You've heard us talk about their line of luxurious products before, and we're so excited to have them as a sponsor of OK Sister Podcast because now you can join in on the glowy goodness. You know Oak Essentials is legit because it was created by none other than our favorite brand ever, Jenny Kane. Oak Essentials is known for its simple approach to self-care with a lineup of foundational skincare staples made with high-quality ingredients that drive results. It aims to unlock healthy, glowing skin with decadent and hydrating ingredients that give you a luxe, dewy glow. I won't shut up about the Moisture Rich Balm. It's a nutrient-rich balm that supports collagen production and delivers serious hydration for a luminous glow. And a luminous glow indeed. The way my skin feels like butter after applying this balm. This balm will make you never want to wear makeup again. And you can apply generously during your night routine to lock in moisture as you dream. It's the definition of beauty sleep. Treat yourself or someone else this season. You sisters will get 15% off and a free organic honey-based restorative mask with their first order. Oh my God, what a deal. When you use code OKSIS15 at checkout. That's right. 15% off plus a gift with your first order at O-A-K-E-S-S-E-N-T-I-A-L-S.com. Promo code OKSIS15, OKAYSIS15. Go ahead and treat yourself. From luxurious skincare to meaningful self care, you deserve it. Welcome to OK Sis Podcast. Hi, sisters. I'm Maddie. And I'm Scout. And we are sisters IRL. I'm the older one. Yes, Scout. We know. We're cultural observers. And of curious minds. Get ready for sisterly banter while we chat about fixations, learnings, and personal growth. We promise it'll be a good time. As long as you don't get too loud, Mads. Welcome to the sisterhood. Hello. Welcome back to OK Sis. My name is Maddie. What a performer, what an entertainer, one of the Dharma archetypes that we talk about this in, the, in this episode. Hello, sisters. I am Scout. I am the older sister of the Madola and also the co-host of this wonderful podcast that you're listening to. This is true. These are all facts. These are facts that you have delivered. Thank you for well, delivering the facts. Wow. I mean, is that a role of mine? Like, I yeah. feel like, yeah, fact, I, fact I usually teller. deliver the emotions, but I can be a fact teller for today. You can. Um, I want to acknowledge the bird's nest on your head. Oh, yeah. So um, essentially, I saw Wait, Diane. Can I just, I just say one thing? What? Okay, so Scout, Scout is wearing a headband, okay? Um, we're not headband people, so this is really disorienting for me. But secondly, um, our heads are already so big. Why would you? This headband that she's wearing gives her about three more inches off of her head. So why would you want your head to look bigger? Also, it camouflages into the color of your hair. So it literally just looks like a beehive. Okay. I feel personally attacked. I feel judged. I feel as if the size of my head should not determine the fashion choices that I make. And I, I mean, we can't wear hats. Well, yeah, the hat situation's difficult. <laughs> and I'm really trying, but I saw Diana Cohen 
from Crown Affair wearing her beautiful, her beautiful ultimate influencer, the ultimate. And I said, you know what? I want to look like her. I want a headband like hers. And it came up on my Instagram stories as a targeted ad and it was only $14. And I said, you know what? I wasn't willing to commit more than $14 to this trend because I wasn't sure the impact it would have on my brand and overall, you know, message. So I just invested the $14 and, you know, I'm happy with the investment. I will carry on despite the naysayers, AKA you, and I will hold true to the vision I have in my mind. So what, so what is the consensus? Is it elevating or diminishing the brand? I think it's, well, I think there's two parts here. You know, my hair is curly right now. I don't think it elevates the curly hair. Nope. But I can imagine that when I do straighten my hair, I think that it will elevate the straight hair. I think, you know, I was looking at that brand Hill House, Hay House, Hill House, um, with the pretty nope. nap lounge dresses, you know what I yes. mean? And mm-hmm. they wear these headbands too. And I thought, this is kind of like the intersection of preppy and prairie girl. And God, if I wear so it in black, I can edgify that. And mm. so... Edge, edgy cottage core. Got it. Oh, oh. That's the vibe. The the whore was not no, not no, in the no, in God. the Pinterest. <laughs> no, no, that wasn't no. one of my uh, core no. values when it's I was not, thinking of this. It's not It's not cottage whore. It's cottage core. Core like C O R E. Oh my God. I don't I have even... time to explain cottage core to you. I just can't today. I can't look it up. I thought you just cottage whore. Oh, I can't. That is so good. You know, like gratitude whore, cottage whore. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) That is great. That's the best thing I've heard all day. I really needed that. Thank you, Scout. We could all really rely on you to never know any of the trends. (laughs) Wow, my face is so round with this headband when I smile. Yeah. Yeah. I don't why you want to accentuate the roundness but there you go okay well you know that's fun um for you there's a really great update in your life and there's a lot of updates in your life I feel as if you know and don't say anything let me me. yeah let me finish my thought before you get all excited here Okay. okay so you're going to outside lands we're going to the joe bro concert we're going to gypsy kings and you've already purchased a house for coachella 2022 yeah what would you do what's the point what would you do if i went to stagecoach okay so i uh, we're gonna keep this intro short scout Mm. but this is this is a bigger conversation you opened a can of worms now no 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 i regret this okay okay let me let me okay i'll spark notes it let me just give you some spark notes i'm going to nashville okay when going to nashville in October with my friends Hmm. and now I I am I told my friends I said hey I will listen to country music for this trip this trip is the exception I will listen to it I will actually lean in I'm not gonna make fun of it I'm gonna lean in as Sheryl Sandberg says lean in lean in lean into the country music um I know a lot of sisters are screaming right now I apologize to the country music stanhood 
I'm not, I'm not there, not in it. Anyway, so they gave me this playlist. And I thought to myself, okay, let me let me just like lower the judgment, lower everything. I'm going to listen to some country music while I drive. And it, it's going to be a slow process, which is why I'm starting in June. I have a couple months to to ease into it. Um but it's a lot. But I am I'm I am willing. I am willing to educate and learn. So this is a big step. This is a big step, Scout. So when you say you'll go to stagecoach, who knows where I'll be next year? Who knows? I huh. might I might be a country music stand next year after I go to Nashville. I might be a convert. I think you're just going to be a concert whore and go to anything you can get your freaking hands on. Yep. That, I don't yeah, think I don't think true. there's going to be standards. I think it's just like <laughs> concert over here, down, I'm in. Oh yeah. Uh, I have no standards at this point. I'm fucking going everywhere. You're not going to see me. You're not going to see me. I'm actually I actually I'm not going to see you. I feel like you're going away a lot and it's it's making me feel a little a little FOMO-y, a little insecure. I feel like my oh. foundation is rocked. Mm. I have to I have to mentally prepare for you not being two hours away from me in a drive, you know. So anyways. Not that you ever come to visit me. Okay, first of all, I'm coming in two weeks. Oh yeah. I'm actually coming a week after this episode airs. <gasps> that is so exciting. Sisters, we're gonna do our first in person recording that is out like my mind is like and we mean an in-person guest that is just yeah it's uh it's just the vaxxed is i might as well tattoo it on my forehead at this point you know yeah vaxxed and waxed except we don't wax we laser vaxxed and lasered oh still not on the laser training to get on it we digress let's talk about this beautiful episode because this one oh Oh, boy. Oh, this yeah. One, let's just oh. take a deep breath. Let's take a deep breath. So we sis- have. Oh, you're going to announce it. OK, you announce it. Go. OK. Thank. We need to get off the Zoom. <laughs> OK, guys, sister, the Zoom situation. We're fucking done with the Zoom. We're the done. We're done We're with done. the delays. We're done. Let We're me done. introduce it because this was a big okay, deal fine. for it's your, me. Yeah, it's your, it's, I mean, I love her, too. But yes, go this ahead. This is you a big like, deal for You were me. like shitting your pants, actually. So I smelled um, it. Okay, I would go with maybe heart palpitations, you know, heart as a pal- body. There we go. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, no sister- shit. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Good <laughs> Lord. Go. Sisters, go, go, go. as you already know from the episode of this, the title of this episode, we interviewed Sahara Rose, which has been on my bucket list for so long. I am such a Sahara Rose fan. For those who don't know her, she is an author. She's a podcast host. She got her start as um, a, an author in Ayurveda. Deepak Chopra has written forwards to many of her books, and she just released a book earlier this year called Discover Your Dharma, and she really helps individuals discover their dharma which is sanskrit for purpose so this episode was so impactful for me because one we were able to chat about a lot of her philosophy and we were also able to kind of merge both me and mads together since sahara is so active on tiktok and reels and really brings to the table mads energy when and then the things that she's saying is very scout energy so we were really able to go into spirituality into our purpose um we talked about some psychedelic stuff all the good I know, things i was just gonna say she she prescribed me mushrooms 
uh she said she had nothing she was like mads you, you need to do some mushrooms that that mm-hmm. is what my prescription is to you yeah so uh, this was a really special episode for me specifically, and I am so excited to share it with you, sisters. I know you're going to love the conversation. I know you're going to love Sahara Rose and all of the things. So enjoy. Sisters, my goal these days is to always look put together when I leave the house. Nothing over the top or super dressed up or anything like that. I just want to look put together and feel good about what I'm wearing in an effortless yet refined way. When I look at my closet every single morning and think about what I can wear that is chic and intentional, I usually end up grabbing one of my Jenny Kane sweaters and I always end up loving the way I look and the way I feel in them. You all know, sisters, that when I envision my highest self, I am wearing Jenny Kane. Their sweaters are the quintessential must-have item. I cannot stop wearing my Marina set. I throw it on and immediately feel like I'm in a Nancy Myers movie. Like I could just walk on the beach in Santa Barbara. It is the coastal grandma aesthetic. My favorite Jenny Kane sweater right now is their everyday sweater in taupe. This is the definition of a staple that every woman must have in their wardrobe. Sisters, trust me on this one. I wear it with leggings, oversized jeans and a little kitten heel or a silk maxi skirt. Legit, Mads and I are so obsessed with wearing our Johnny Kane sweaters that we've literally shown up both wearing the same sweater once, the white alpaca cocoon crew neck, which is this deliciously oversized sweater. Yeah, that moment takes the cake. Both of us walking in with our matching Jenny Kane sweaters. We're obsessed. Can't take them off. Wearing them every day. The type of staples that save your outfit. That is what I love about their entire collection. It is truly the art of simplicity. They focus on comfort, quality, and timeless designs. You can curate a wardrobe that never goes out of style. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code OKSIS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code OKSIS. O-K-A-Y-S-I-S. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Ever since having a baby, I've been extremely conscious about what I spend my money on and which products I use. And clothing is no different. I want my wardrobe to be sustainable, good quality, and timeless. You have to be talking about Whimsy and Row, right? Whimsy and Row is an LA-grown, eco-conscious brand born out of the love for cute, comfy, and classic styles. Every piece is made by women for women. Quality goods, local production, natural and organic fabrics. Yes, please give me all the linens. Just like OK Sister, Whimsy and Row is based on the idea that women are multidimensional. There's a balance of flirty feminine and minimal masculine in all of our wardrobes, and Whimsy and Row means exactly that. From special occasions to everyday effortless styles, their clothing is meant to mix and match and wear on repeat. I have been wearing their Kira pant in black linen probably three times a week. Sisters, if you've been listening to this podcast or following me on Instagram, you know that Whimsy and Rose Kira Pant in Black Linen is a sisterhood staple at this point. Founder Rachel Temko created the brand back in 2014 because she wanted to create an approachable and inclusive brand that cared for the people and the planet first. Get the full Whimsy experience IRL at their Venice location or shop online at whimsyandrow.com. Their store in Venice is so cute. I can attest. And if you're in LA, I highly recommend stopping by. They are always putting on these amazing community events. They just launched their spring summer collection and we will be living in it all summer long.
Visit their website, whimsyandrow.com. That's W-H-I-M-S-Y-A-N-D-R-O-W.com and use code OKSISTER for 15% off. Hey, how are you guys? Can you hear me? Yes. <laughs> look at you with your headset. You look like a gamer. Thanks, girls. It's from Amazon. and I use it for all of my podcasts and it's like $17. So <laughs> wait, Hot that's tip. a genius idea. Hot tip. Um, I would like to say something to you. Salam and Maddie Hastem. Oh, are you Persian? That's all she knows. <laughs> Her boyfriend is. Okay. That's all she knows. My boyfriend. Yeah. My boyfriend is Iranian, Persian Jew from Beverly Hills. You know, I love it. You know, so you've gone to a lot of Shabbat dinners and had gourmet sabzi and all of that. Oh yeah, and tadik and oh, it's the best. Amazing. You try, you try to make the tadik. I tried to do the flip, and um, it fell over. But you know what? We're getting there. Yeah, we're getting there. We were at Pesach Passover, and our uncle's like how do you do the tadik? And Maddie was like explaining it to him. It was a whole fucking spectacle. Okay. But Sahara, I want you to know before we get started that you are a true merge of me and my sister Mads in many ways. So I'm the spiritual one and Mads is the TikTok dancing one. So it's awesome. Love it. Perfect, perfect harmonies. I mean, we need to have both, right? Like to be in alignment with ourselves and also not take ourselves too seriously. That's so true. And we're going to get into all that because I feel, I feel very torn between my TikTok, you know, shaking my tuchus and twerking and then my, you know, business side and more serious. It is like you have completely integrated both of those sides and it's com- it's very admirable yes it's, it's time we we merged together you know the bottom and upper half of our bodies and just you know connected it all because you know it's just the patriarchy that made us think that they're separate amen okay let's do current fixations before we get into anything okay so my current fixation is the hot mess ice roller by the wonderful lauren everts the skinny confidential i purchased it because i believe when you follow a woman online Uh, you know, consume her content, find value that is completely free when she puts out a book or a product like Sahara's pre-order, always a pre-order situation. I bought it and it has become my new morning ritual. I suffer from poofy face. So my cheeks definitely, you know, they, they expand and they contract quite, quite significantly. And what I love so much about this, obviously Lauren is a very detail oriented person. It stays cold for the entire time that you're ice rolling your face, which she promised that would be the case. And it's true. It is sturdy. So I usually use a gua sha, but I like this because it's so massive. Like it's, it's a pretty massive tool mm-hmm. that I feel like with the thumbprint and you really get in there. So you get that gua sha experience with the depuffing of the ice And it's kind of a nice thing. You know, my morning routine's a little extensive. We didn't really need to add in another five-minute situation. But it is kind of this wake up, refresh. I go over my eyes. It's I traveled this weekend and I brought it with me because I'm not obsessed with it in the morning. So that is my current fixation. Love that. We love a good ice roll. We love a good ice roll. I also, too, am a puffy face person. Um, So the ice roll in the morning nothing like it and it feels great Mm -hmm. right feels divine yeah I feel like I have like this icy tool and then a gua sha and then this other thing like 10 different face contraptions and then I just use my hands for like three seconds so it's good to have a a tool that you like and does it all 
And then you look at your husband and you're like, does my face look more contoured? And he's like, he's like, what are you yeah, fucking talking yeah, about? Yeah, it does. Okay. It's like no one else notices but yeah. you. <laughs> okay, Mads, what's your current fixation? <laughs> okay, my current fixation. So I have been um, historically very into newsletters. I love a good newsletter. Scout just started one. So if anyone, can you plug it quickly, Scout? Sorry. Oh, um, just go to my Instagram. Okay. Scout Sobel. It's in my link in bio. All right. There you go. Um, but I'm a big newsletter person. I love Girls Night In. We've had the founder of The Good Trade who do, does The Daily Good, which is an amazing newsletter. But I've just discovered Substack, which I'm sure Substack has been around for a while. But I love the communities that have rallied around Substack newsletters. And it's just, they make, the platform makes it so much easier to build a whole brand and community around your newsletter. So it doesn't just feel like an email. Um, so some that I really love, there's Fem Street, and they send out this weekly digest of must read posts from female investors, operators. Um, and then Thinking is Cool, which is this new brand from the founders of The Morning Brew, which is also a great great newsletter if you want to do but they kind of left the morning brew created this new brand called thinking is cool which you know it is um and so it's going to be this newsletter slack channel i've just been into digital communities this is and a lot this is a lot i'm just giving i'm giving the sisters some recommendations of where to start on the Substack. you know so if you're into newsletters go search some cool digital communities and get involved what is a Substack? i don't even know me either do I. So I have Substack no idea. Substack is a website and it's basically like the Patreon of newsletters so that you can put a paywall behind some of them, but then they, there's also like free communities. And, kind of like and the new like online magazine. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That is it. You know what? We should go to Substack and give them that like slogan. The new online. Magazine. I think Sahara gets the royalties on that Thank one. You very this much. is true. This is true. I love that. Okay, Sahara Rose. Well, I, I feel like I have to say your whole name, Sahara okay. Rose. It's just so beautiful. Also, is that your middle name? Just so it's, it's kind of like word. a last name that I've added, but it's it's actually a middle right. name. I have my last name's Katapi, which is super Persian. Yeah. <laughs> my middle name is Rose as well, so I feel this kinship with you. Yay. Okay, Sahara Rose. What is your current fixation? Mm. So do you guys know about Byron Katie? Have you ever heard of her? Yes, and I am really excited for you to speak about her because I am feeling a little bit of a disconnect as to what her work is, and so this is going to be good. Yeah, so like seven years ago, I was in this whole story of my parents won't let me do what I want to do, and what do I do? And I was like telling everyone I knew about it, and this woman told me, why don't you look into Byron Katie the work? So I like Googled it, and I, it was like these couple of questions. I didn't get it at all. So I kind of like forgot about it. I would hear it in conversations, and I was just like, it's just questioning your thoughts. Like it never made sense to me until recently I've started to dive into it and it is so game changing. You basically take any thought that you have that is bothering you. So let's say you're like, um, Shannon is annoying me. So you would actually go into that. Like, is it true? Like, is she actually annoying me? Could I know for certain that that's true? And then flipping that thought, which could be Maybe I'm annoying myself. My lack of boundaries are annoying me or what she's reflecting in me is annoying me. And any single thing you can flip around. And for me, it's been so helpful because, you know, in life, especially running a business, you get into a lot of different situations. Like I'm in this legal situation, this and that. And you're just like, why is this all happening to me? And it's like, I am not peacefully coexisting with myself. I am not, you know, honoring myself. And it really all comes down to it and it sets you free. So you're no longer feeling at mercy at anything in the world outside of you. And it all comes down to a decision of, do I want to choose this thought? Is it serving me? And if not, can I replace it with a better thought? 
That's so good. I, I, it's bringing up actually kind of the shift that I've been making with my thoughts lately. I listened to Byron Katie on Lacey Phillips podcast and for some reason it just wasn't clicking for me in that specific episode, but something that's reminding me of that is that this girl who I'm not super familiar with was just crossing a boundary for me and I was bitching about it to everyone who would listen to me. And then I realized that it wasn't her that I was angry with. I was angry with myself because I didn't create boundaries for myself and I allowed people into my energy. So I was saying, this girl's not respecting my boundaries. This girl's not doing this when I realized that I don't respect my boundaries and that's why I'm angry. And so now I'm going to look more into Byron Katie because I think it's really, really the whole thought, the whole practice around really examining and analyzing and and having a relationship with your thoughts is very life changing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it was the biggest um, thing my therapist told me. She like let me in on this secret. She was because I. I was having issues with this person in my life and I was like, oh, she's, you know, she just like belittles me and whatever. And she told me that, no, you're, you're seeing that because, and she's like, she's like, okay, well, why don't you tell her that? I'm like, oh no, no, no. I don't want to, you know, burden or whatever. And she like flipped it on me. It's all a reflection of how I'm seeing myself through her. And I, my mind was erupted. It has nothing to do with that person. She, and it's all to do with yourself. And once you, come to that realization this acceptance and the the release I mean it's so freeing Mm -hmm. I know it's like how are we not taught this in schools like we were never taught to question our thoughts you know it's like we have to figure it out later on in life so yeah it's it's so freeing and I think also sometimes in spirituality we go so into like the soul and the past lives and it's like hello our minds if we don't clean that up we're never going to be able to manifest or any of these things Yeah, I think that this is actually a conversation that I keep coming across is why doesn't the school system teach things like this? I was always a rebel in school and understood that like physics wasn't really my jam and going to take me places. So instead of going to physics class, I would go to a coffee shop and read a book and write because that was going to move my emotional self forward. And she was really emo. Okay, yeah. I was dealing with depression, but yes, I was really emo. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think this, which is a whole nother fucking conversation of how the school system, my my dream, one of my dharmas, is that when I'm older, and I know that it's not for me right now, but when I'm older and I feel, I don't know, more foundational or ready for another level, I would like to open a school where kids go between senior year of high school and freshman of college, where it teaches you emotional, spiritual mindset tools before they enter the real world, just because you're not taught it. Yeah, I live with bipolar disorder and I had to figure it out myself. And so I just think it would be a year intensive school just about that would be so fucking beneficial. Wow, that is so powerful. And I've never heard anyone say that before. Well, yeah. Patent, patent pending. Yeah, patent pending. Yeah, that <laughs> is your Dharma girl. Go for it. Yeah, I have a lot more learning to do, but let's let's talk about Dharmas. And Sahara, I to be honest, like we've done a lot of these, and this one I was a little nervous for and really excited because I've been following your work for a very long time. And I understand this this point of Dharma. I think that the biggest gift my mental illness gave me is that when I'm off course or off my Dharma, it flares up. And it flares up fast. So I'm never really wasting time in my life when I'm not in alignment, which I think is the greatest gift from God. I think that in our community too, and you talk about it, the shadow that comes with the Dharma. I think that 
and for the sisters listening, Dharma is essentially your purpose in this world. We think that sometimes when we find our purpose, that it's smooth sailing, that we're always in alignment, that the flow is happening. But as you say so consistently, there are shadow aspects to your dharma. So I would love, love to hear your perspective on one, what your shadow is connected to your dharma and how we can, I don't know if the word is gear up, but when we find our dharma, really attach to that and know that it's our purpose and be willing to walk through the shadow to affect that change, not only in our own lives, but in the collective and humanity, et cetera. Mm, yeah, I love that question. So we were each born with our dharma, our soul's purpose, the big reason why we are here. And it's not just one thing that we do, but it's really how we are, why we are. You know, For example, the, the school that you just shared, let's say your dharma is to connect people to their emotional, mental, and spiritual bodies, right? So that school could be one of the ways, and you can have all of these different ways, but that dharma is that red thread that really connects it. And according to spirituality, our souls chose our dharma before showing up on this planet, because that is the jigsaw puzzle of the giant, you know, puzzle of the world that we are meant to complete. So it's not always easy because just because we were born with a purpose, it doesn't mean we were born necessarily embodying it. We have to go through our soul's unique curriculum. Now, this is the training, the experiences, the lessons that we need to now be the living embodiment of that Dharma. So I like to think of the analogy of we're on the sand at a beach and our Dharma's out in the open waters. So to get to those open waters, we have to go through the waves. And those waves are the obstacles and the limiting beliefs and the societal conditioning and your ancestral stuff and what your parents say and your school says, like all of these things that add up. And the thing is, we've never been out to that open waters before. We don't even know if it exists. We've, we've heard people talk about it, but we've never seen it before. All we've seen is the sand and these enormous waves in front of us. So we try to go once and the waves knock us back to shore. And then we maybe try a second time, the waves knock us back to shore again. And we say, you know what? Fuck it. There, there must not be any open water out there because I tried two times and I failed. And you see on the beach, everyone around you is like, yeah, you know what? I was in high school and I had a band and we were going to be the next Aerosmith. And, you know, and we never made it. And they gypped me out all my money and don't follow your dreams, you know, and you, you, you hear stuff like that. So you're like, damn, maybe I should stay on the sand where it's safe. It's like, you're Moana, right? If you watch that movie, you want to go out to the open waters. Everyone's like, stay on the island. You're like, I want to go out, but I got to stay on the island. So a part of you in your soul knows it's meant to expand to something more, but you know how you're, you don't even know how to swim. So the reason why those waves are there is to make us become a stronger swimmer. So we can learn how to duck and navigate and maneuver. And even when we get knocked back to shore, we come back with more tools. You come back with your meditation practice, your therapy, your coaching, your breath work, astrology, whatever the tools that you pick back up, those become your surfboard and your goggles and all these other things that make you become a stronger swimmer. And there are times that you're going to be knocked to the bottom of the sea and swept back up and you're not even sure which way you're swimming. But if you keep on just kicking and kicking and kicking, trusting that you are moving towards your highest purpose, you're going to find yourself bringing your head up out of that water and be like, oh, 
this is the open waters that people were talking about. This is the path of least resistance and flow and synchronicity and living in alignment with your dharma. But sometimes to get to the path of least resistance, you first must follow the path that you are personally the most resistant to. A quick question about this, and that is the most relatable metaphor I have ever heard. It's very resonant. And Mads, the open water is, is the, once you get there, you don't stay there forever. So it's well, not- So this is what I'm going to ask. In the open water. So I am a very much, I'm learning this. I'm learning the, it's the journey, not the destination. It's, you know, it, it, there's, there's struggle to get there. But when you do get there, you are aligned. You're in the open waters. You have persevered. There's more struggle still. It's not a perfect happy place where you're just, you know, calm all the time. So talk about what, because I'm trying to normalize that there is no clear destination where in our minds we're thinking we're going to be happy when we get to this number of, of in the bank account or this number of followers, whatever it is. So what does it look like in the clear waters? What, how do you handle struggle then? The struggles become internal. They're no longer me trying to get to my dharma. They're the internal things that are blocking me from now receiving it. You know, the people who are on A-list films and still depressed or have Fortune 500 companies, et cetera, they've gone through those waves. They're, they're here, they're living their dream, but they're still not happy because now the struggles and the layers are the internal ones. The, for example, questioning your thoughts or not being able or not allowing yourself to experience joy or aspects of yourself that maybe have been under the surface that in this quest of going, 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 sometimes when we have a goal, there's a beauty to that because we're like so focused on that thing, but maybe we're not noticing all of the other layers of ourselves that, you know, we didn't really have time for until we get there. And then it's like, oh, here's this whole section of your life that you've been ignoring. So the, the texture of the struggles change. It's no longer, am I going to live my purpose or not? Am I going to get there or not? It's here I am, but what does this look like? And you know, your Dharma, it's a mountain range. It's not a one-time summit. So even when you climb that first mountain, that first peak, you've never climbed a mountain before. You don't have the right shoes. You don't have the stamina. You don't believe there's a summit. But then you get there and you realize it's a mountain range and it continues to evolve and spiral and unfold. And this is why the path of living your Dharma is not linear. It's not a, you know, one, two, three, I'm living my Dharma game over, like, bye. Like it's a spiral. And in a spiral, you continue to look at all areas of your life, your childhood, your traumas, your joy, your relationships, your career, your this, that. And then you leave them for a little bit, but you come back to them with an even deeper lens. And then you leave and you live your life and you come back and you come back. And, and, and that really is the journey that you're speaking about. But what I also would love to expand your, your view to is that it really can become easy. Like we have this idea that, okay, it's just going to be hard. And it's like one, it's, and when we have this view of like, oh, well, even if I get my Dharma, like life's never perfect. It's going to be hard. To be honest, my life is really fucking easy. I swim at the beach every day. Like I have a team that supports me and I'm sharing this because I never believed that this would be possible. So it does become easier, but the work that I'm doing now is internal. And I, I think that's a limiting belief I have is that, oh shit, when I achieve my dreams, I'm going to 
or it's gonna be gonna so hard to, to maintain so fucking, it. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna burn out. I'm gonna overwork in order to achieve. And when I get there, I'm gonna have imposter syndrome, like all these limiting beliefs. Whereas, like, why can't we just say, "Hey, it might just feel good, yeah. and it might just be fun." For me, I've been trying to grapple with that, that it gets to be easy and joyful and fun. And for me, I believe that I'm living out my dharma so significantly. And so something that you said on the internal shift that was that really I feel relevant into why this year I've been able to feel joy, to feel fulfillment, to feel alignment, regardless of my external world is because my internal world is so significantly dialed in to, to be honest, a higher purpose to God, to spirit, to knowing that I am completely held in my emotional spectrum, to knowing that I'm supported by something. And so for me, even when life gets hard, there's this willingness internal compass that knows that I got me no matter what. So the hard things aren't as scary. And I think it's for me personally, kind of this medley between accepting that there are challenging things and especially when you grow into that next level of your dharma there's growing pains and stuff like that but um and then also knowing that you deserve for it to be joyful and loving and easy as well is is a balance i'm kind of playing with but you said the word embody and i want to talk about that and hopefully it doesn't totally ignite a terrible response in me I, for some reason, have an intense trauma response when, I, when my coach starts asking me to embody, when we talk about having an embodiment coach. I was in a mastermind, and she didn't tell me who the guest was, and the guest was talking about embodiment. And I shut down. I couldn't understand what she was saying. I was on the floor having a panic attack. I disassociated. And I recognized that I have come so far in my life, but embodiment is something that's so fucking sacred and powerful and divine. And quite honestly, I'm afraid of my power because I think I'm pretty fucking powerful today. But if I go that extra 10% to like really embody this, I'm afraid of that power. So, and I don't know why, can you talk a little bit about embodiment and what it means to you and what it feels like? Because I think probably Mads, have you, ha you haven't, I don't yeah. even know what you're talking about. Yeah. Are you saying like embodying your purpose and just in living it and living it in your body? I yeah. It's, it's really standing in your purpose and your power in a, in a really, 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 I don't know what adjective way you want to say it. I, I did it a few months ago and I cried for a week because I took a stand for my truth for like my real truth. And it was scary. So can you talk a little bit about embodiment? Yeah. So embodiment is really moving something from information to a living experience. So I can say the things like I could, I could come on here and be like, yeah, I love your Dharma and like be speaking really nasally and from my head. And you would be like, yeah, bitch, like you are not the person talking about Dharma. You know, you would be able to feel it, but you can just feel in someone's tone and their body language and the way that they are showing up if they are living that truth, or it's just a regurgitation, which is kind of mostly what's happening in the online space right now. 
So embodiment is that extra loop to, for example, let's say you're um, watching a bunch of speakers, the ones who've like have the thing memorized and they're like taking the step and they're pausing and they're saying it, but you're like, this still doesn't, I don't feel anything in my body. I don't feel my heart opening to this versus the one who's just on a riff and they may even be stuttering sometimes, but you can feel it's coming straight from their soul. So embodiment is the feminine energy, you know, the feminine energy. That's what it is. Yeah, the feminine energy is the energy of it coming from your womb space. So I would look into if there's maybe womb related trauma. So when energy is coming from our wombs, it's, you know, so much of spirituality that we speak about in this world right now is very masculine. It's very third eye meditation, levitate, ascend, go to the 5D, never be a human again. And that's not the goal of the feminine. Like the goal of the, like, why would I be born into a human body if my goal is like to not be a human anymore? Like who, who fucked up there, you know? So the goal of embodiment and the feminine is to be here in this living experience, anchored into my truth, receiving the codes that exist within my body, not from a book or a guru or an outside source, feeling that truth in my bones and connecting to our very beings rather than, you know, connecting to nature, for example, letting nature be your temple, letting the trees teach you. It, it's a much more grounded energy. And the reason why the womb space is so important is because we all came from and through a womb. Every single living being on this planet comes from the womb. Our wombs carry the hologram. It's the only thing that we have that can take the unseen into the scene, right? It's like a spirit literally came through into your womb and like turned into physical essence. So our wombs have the hologram to create all life from. So instead of trying to think about things or meditate on our third eyes or ascend, if we actually anchor down into the lower part of our bodies, into the chakras, which is also what dance and movement are all connected into, it's not a, I think this is right, or this should be right. It's a, I feel this is right. Yeah. Just wait, her, for, wait, first of all, Scout, I'm very surprised that this doesn't resonate with you no, because this... you have such incredible intuition and also everything you s preach, you also yes, do. Yes, 100% for sure. And when I talk on my podcast and I go into like, I channel, I get into like a trance. I'm like, whoa, what was that? And I am embodying my message. There's a relationship to my physical body that feels traumatic. Like when I'm very connected to my chakras, but when you talk about, I don't even know the name of it, that's how disconnected I am. The second chakra, the one with the, the sacral, sacral the sacral, the feminine, the womb, I have zero connection to it, zero intuition and zero. I'm really good at the solar plexus. I've spent all last year with the root chakra. So whatever, what I'm saying is that I spent so much of my life in my mental illness that now that I'm really asked to tune into my body, it feels like it's another set of wisdom, another set of keys that I know actually holds the truth that is so powerful and I'm and I get glimpses of it and I and I live it that I'm just afraid to go all the way. What do you think will happen? Image-wise, I see and this is so Sorry, I see like the X-Men, like the Phoenix rising. Like I see that. Yeah, she's an asshole. She always laughs at me. I see like this force that is so powerful that she's uncontrollable to society. But Rab That's Kalima energy. What? Goddess Kalima. Yeah. 
which I'll... that's the energy of it. Yeah. It's like the, the feminine when she's like fully liberated that like, you're almost afraid of like the shadows and the wrath that she yeah. may, you know, put upon all the men. Goddess Kalima wears skulls on her neck, like as her necklace and oh, carries like, hu- like a human head with like blood all over the place. And she's one of the most reverent goddesses because this is actually an archetype of the feminine that we suppress so much. We don't want to be angry or crazy or, you know, have a panic attack, et cetera. But this is actually our most potent energy and you clearly carry her codes. And I think you're afraid of integrating that aspect of yourself because when you're fully embodied, perhaps the responsibility you have to share that with the world feels like too much. Yeah. We can, we can move on from my therapy session, but yes, the feminine, I have a lot of trouble with the masculine. I am very, very in tune with my feminine energy, even when it comes to sex, like even when it comes to sex, I know that there's keys that get to be unlocked and it's the fem, it's just proof that, and you know, this, that the feminine is so powerful, has been completely suppressed by society. This is definitely things that I've learned as I've grown up to suppress this part of myself. Um, so thank you. That was really, I, I feel like I really got clarity on on the part of me that gets to be nurtured and, and gets to trust. Yeah. And you're, you're not alone. Most of us have been actively taught to disconnect from this part of ourselves. You know, I remember my dad, whenever I'd cry, he'd be like, be rational, not emotional. I'm like, okay, rational, not emotional. He's like, or no one can, no one can understand you when you're crying. You're like, oh shit, like me crying, the world can't understand me. So we're taught to cut ourselves off from our emotions and the full spectrum of our being. So it does feel like you're fighting yourself because sometimes you're afraid if I let myself feel it all, will I lose control? Yeah. And I've lost control in other ways, but this feels, yeah, it feels like my next evolution. Um, I want to do a quick pivot for Mads (laughs) because I am very much into this world. I've been getting into this world for a few years now. It was only since last year that spirituality, um, I don't know, all the things, the chakras, uh, goddesses, ancestral healing, spirit guide, you name it, has been so integral for me speaking my truth, stepping into my dharma, healing my trauma and my wounds and coming to a place where I really trust myself and my experience here on earth as a spiritual being in a human body, not being afraid of death, the whole nine yards. Mads is not in that world. And so... Sometimes when I talk, and I'm sure you get this too, Sahara, it sounds crazy. And, and I am not by any means a master, and I try not to talk about it too much just because my messaging, I don't feel as if I've completely really fine-tuned the way I want to talk about it because it feels so abstract and powerful. You want to ask your, your question? Yeah, so basically I think what my struggle with spirituality has been is it, fe- it does feel very abstract. It feels intangible. It feels like a belief system that I just can't see – direct structure of my of of creating my life around that direct structure and I am a very pragmatic more analytical type of person so whenever Scout you know brings up these topics I kind of do a little eye roll but she introduced me to Lacey Phillips who I at first I was like eye roll and then I was like oh no you're amazing and also all of this is 
science. And that's what I really love about the way she speaks about it, about it the way you speak about it is there it isn't just like you can take out the woo woo and you could also just it's a lexicon. It's a vocabulary that you're using. It's also to a describe, feeling. Though. Yeah, I know. But for instance, Dharma, life's purpose, like that makes sense to me that it's life's purpose. Like there's just different words and codes and and um, pings that, you know, Lacey says and things. But to me, it's just about self-reflection and understanding yourself right it's just about understanding your emotions how do you navigate through them what traumas have you lived through and why are you still holding on to them it's just a lot of questions about yourself which I love I've always I love therapy I love journaling I love meditating I love all I love understanding myself so this is just another layer is the way I see it as a as a skeptic I like to say that I'm a skeptic but I think something this kind of ties into you and TikTok is, you know, I discovered you through TikTok and I actually said to you at TikTok and I was like, do you know this girl? Sahara I, was Rose? Like, just, I was like, yeah, bitch. I was like, get like, the fuck out of here. You like Sahara Rose's TikToks. And I was so grateful for you in that moment because you provided that, that gateway for and her. I think, I think what I, there's a stereotype that I, I feel most, most people probably have this towards spiritual people is that they're very serene and they're harmonious and they're calm. And if we've learned anything, I am nothing of those things so to me I just didn't feel like I belonged in that space right so when I see you twerking on TikTok I'm like okay yes I understand you I am with you and I will listen to you so that's all to say how do you approach skeptics or people like me who are a little more about the sciency and about the not as woo woo as as the rest of the scouts you know what all that matters is if you are living in alignment with joy if you're joyful, you don't even need to know this shit. Some of us need all these stories to believe it. Like all that matters at the end of the day is are you joyful or not? You know, some of the most spiritual people in the world have never listened to a podcast, have never read a book. They can't even read. They're just like hanging out on a beach somewhere in Trinidad. And they're like, wait, there's all these people spending thousands of dollars to learn how to just be like me every day. So if you don't need that, if you're, or if your pathway to that is in a different way, that's beautiful. If anything, just trust what's, what's resonating with you because trying to make yourself do something. Cause it feels like, well, I guess this is the next path of my growth. So I got to do it, but I don't want to don't, you know, and there are also so many teachers out there who are extremely scientific focused, like jo Dr. Joe Dispenza, I would super suggest for you. If you haven't um, dived into his work, even a lot of Deepak Chopra stuff, he's, you know, a doctor and is really takes concepts like you are the universe and shows you with science and with quantum physics, why that is the case. But again, all that matters at the end of the day is that you feel at peace with your life. And if you do, none of the shit matters. Just live on. Hey, Mads, do you feel at peace with your life and joyful? Answer honestly. No, I'm asking her. Well, I but we're going to ask you after. Um, at this current moment, no. But we're going to get there. <laughs> but okay, so I, I get what your question is. It's basically like, I do need to seek out something that will help me get there. And I do, I do. I really love the manifestation work and I love um, the Dharma work that you do. It, that feels a lot more aligned to me. Have you ever worked with plant medicine? No. What is that? It's like mushrooms, mushrooms. Oh, mushrooms or, or I have some in my like closet. That. Oh, like ashwagandha and stuff or like um, chaga? 
Um, that, but for, for someone who wants a direct experience with like, if you're like, I don't even know if like spirit and all this stuff really exists. I've never felt it before. I would suggest plant medicines such as mushrooms or, you know, I, I actually think mushrooms are the best ones. Are you and, about like you know, mush, like, she's like, like psychedelic, yes. like yes. psychedelic oh, okay. mushrooms. Okay, yes. yes. Got it. Got it. So okay. not doing it in just like at your house and just kind of waiting and like watching cartoons, but even finding someone, you know, now it's, it's actually legal in many States and there are therapists working with it. And that will, that will help you see like this stuff in your own way, mm -hmm. in a way that no one could put it into words. Like I can tell you time doesn't exist. You're like, yeah, right. Like you came on at 2 PM today. Like how did this happen? Right. But then when you have this direct experience. It's a gnosis, which means it's an internal knowing that it will show you your pathway for it. And I, I suggest every person, but especially you, like, I feel like you're so ready for it. If you're just like, the fact that you're curious and you're like, I'm skeptic, but I want to know shows your soul is ready for it. And I think having something like plant medicine, it's not coming from anyone that you're not sure what they're talking about, or if you believe it or not, it's literally coming straight from your own soul. And it's also the most healing tool on planet earth. We can microdose tomorrow. Uh, all right. Well, I'm just saying that I have this available for you if you want my support. Okay, I need a. I microdosed for the first time a few few weeks ago because I was told never to do that for my mental illness, but something wasn't that wasn't feeling right to me. I did it alone. Doctors literally told you don't do this. Okay, doctors fucked me up this for years. They fucked me up for years. They gave me a really terrible narrative that I needed to be controlled, that I had a clinical, that I was a patient, that I was never going to be functioning in society, that the hospital was always available to me. So sometimes doctors are wrong. Doctors are wrong. Um not like maybe you should listen to a brain surgeon, but I'm just saying. Um, I microdosed mushrooms by myself at the Parker Hotel in Palm Springs, and my phone was off and everything was off, and it made me really tired, so I drank a coffee, and then I stood there. I haven't said this on the podcast. I stood there naked. In the middle of the hotel? No, in my fucking oh, okay. room, you idiot. Okay, okay, I'm just making sure. We don't want to get you arrested. Naked, and I was on my period so I wasn't feeling hot about the body in that moment and I put on My Way by Frank Sinatra and I looked myself in the mirror for 30 minutes the song played over and over again and I cried hysterically and I screamed the words into my eyes and I knew that if the moment before I die I could say I did it my way that this is all perfect like that this is it and so it was just this amazing reminder it wasn't it didn't show me my dharma in start this or do this or the action it showed me the feeling which was so magical saharos have you ever stood naked in a hotel on mushrooms i haven't done that specifically but i think one mirror work being naked in the mirror and like looking at yourself staring at yourself in the eyes and, and telling you because especially we have so many body image things of like all of the times we've looked in that mirror and like pinched our stomachs or looked at our thighs so just to even just tonight anyone can do this just to do mirror work and talk to yourself and tell yourself how much you love yourself that's extremely potent and for me my first time that I did mushrooms it was in my early 20s and I was so afraid like I had this really bad experience with MDMA when I was in college I was like I am never touching any drug again like no way but when I tried it it was almost like 
you know, our mind has all these different file cabinets of like my relationship with my mom and like my old friend and like this and that, that it was like opening up the file cabinet, like, oh shit, it's really cluttered in here. I don't like to go into this file cabinet because it's so cluttered, but I need to clean this out. And you dive into it from this like clear and actually like unemotional place of just really seeing it for what it is and having so much compassion for everyone involved. So like all of my shit with my mom, I was like, I totally get how she feels. And I just love her so much. And like, just maybe little bonds that I had, like my college roommate that we ended on weird terms and like healing that. And it was just so helpful. So it's not about like, oh, I'm going to take it and like channel my Dharma and like go and have a million dollar business. It's really showing you what you need to heal. And the more that we heal, the more we become a natural alignment for our Dharma. Okay. So I, I want to just be mindful of the time and really talk about your work with others in the Dharma space before we ask our final question. So I know you have a book, Discover Your Dharma, which I have, and I'm about halfway through, and it's amazing. We took your quiz online, which I really recommend, sisters. We'll put the link in our show notes. The first time I took it, I got artist. The second time I got entrepreneur, which feels perfect for me. Mads got entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you just talk a little bit about your work and how it relates to your Dharma and the offerings that people can really be supported by you and expanded by your work? Mm, yeah. So, you know, my biggest question was, what is my purpose? Do I have a purpose? Like, do like Justin Bieber and people like him have purposes and not us mere mortals, you know? And it was this constant thing, especially my parents like came from Iran and risked everything. And it was all about survival, right? So I also had a lot of guilt and shame of, is it selfish for me to live my purpose? What if I don't make money living my purpose? And along the journey, I, I really found so many different reframes and tools, et cetera. And then going on to, you know, write multiple books, that was the question I kept getting is how did you go from confusion to clarity and actually living it, the embodiment aspect of it. And that's what prompted me to write Discover Your Dharma, which will really help anyone at any point of their journey first figure out who they are, their Dharma archetypes that you guys mentioned. And by the way, Mads, I think you have researcher as well. That would probably be your your second one. So your Dharma archetype, and then what to do that I have something called your Dharma blueprint, which combines it with what medium you're best at, what you're excited about, your superpowers, obstacles you've overcome. So it really takes this like giant concept of like, hey, what's the meaning of my life and actually breaks it down into tangible tools that you can practice. So many quizzes, ways that you can get to know yourself and then gives you direction on, okay, now how can I actually live this today? So that's available wherever books are sold. And if you go on my website, IamSaharRose.com, you'll find the link there and you can submit your receipt and get free bonuses like my meditation, um, my tapping and my embodiment practice. And I also have a quiz for my Dharma archetypes which is also on my website so many resources you're the visionary right yeah visionary teacher Oh. But, but yeah. like, for example, when I got TikTok, that brought up my entertainer, which like, totally. I love doing karaoke and that kind of thing as a kid, but that's not my primary one. Like, I don't want to, you know, be an actress full time. So we have our top two archetypes that really stay with us throughout our lives. And then the middle ones really shift according yeah. to what's showing up for us. And then our last one also, the one that we really hate tends to stay with us throughout our lives too. Ooh, I think I so have some terrible. teacher in me that I think is going to come apparent as I... As I move I have, I have one question. Do you think that the majority of the world does not know their purpose or and is not willing 
to do this work to get to their purpose, even though they think they want it. And they're like, oh, I want, you know, I want this life purposes and goal and North Star. Like, I have I have a feeling that the majority, majority of us don't want to do that work to get there. Have you seen that? I would say majority of people are not living their dharma, but I wouldn't say the majority don't want to do the work. I think we, because of 2020, are going to be witnessing probably the greatest awakening of our time. 2012 was kind of that first big plummet there and 2020 with a year of collective shadow work, you know, so many people who have never even, you know, according to Pew Research, 70% of Americans are seriously considering leaving their jobs right now. These statistics have never been as high. And we're expecting the highest rates of people resigning from their jobs when offices open back up because they've realized, wait, I don't want to live the same day of my life over and over and over again. So the demand for teachers and coaches and art and culture and all of these things. And also the fact that so many things are being taken over by robotics. So a lot of jobs that we kind of have to do as humans, like cleaning things or cashiers, et cetera, they're actually not going to be there. Like in our lifetime, we're going to experience the end of that. And then with consciousness rising, there's going to be people who are like, I want to learn how to start my own garden. I want to learn how to connect deeper with my husband or my kids, et cetera. So the demand for this is going to continue to rise. And I believe it's possible in our lifetime to see a world of everyone living their dharma. That is, that's like Messiah shit, you know, that's like when, that's when it comes, that's when it all comes. But I, I love that because I think, yes, Messiah. it is like so that's good. when I think of the Messiah coming, I think of the fact that, look, I don't, I'm not religious. I don't, I don't believe that I'm using it as like a symbolic Thing, imagery yeah. story, but I think of that moment Just of when, like, everything, every, is everything, aligned. everyone is aligned. Is aligned. Yeah, yeah. And I think it, I think it is possible too. Okay. So, uh, we asked the last question of all of our guests that come on OKSIS podcast if you could brag about one thing and don't be humble, what would you brag about? I would brag about my inner peace. Like it has taken me a long time to get here, but like the fact that I'm just so internally at peace with myself, I don't have any goals. Like people are like, what are, where do you want? I don't have, I'm living it right now. And at the end of the day, we can, you know, continue to find more things to do and chase and try to become, but it's not until we make this an internal shift. Like the more that we try to be happy, the less we let happiness happen. So I feel like I'm in this place that happiness is just happening and it feels so good to be here. Mm, I know exactly where that is. And it is really beautiful. I feel it too. 75% of the time. I'm still working on that last 25, but Thank you so much, so, so much for being here. This was really, really beautiful. And I know our sisters are going to love it. Can you just uh, give your Instagram handle one last time? Yeah. So my Instagram is I am Sahar Rose and that's my website as well. Beautiful. And sisters, you know where to find us at OKSIS Podcast. We love you. Hey there, I'm Dr. Tracy Dalglish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. If there's one thing I know from both my personal and clinical experience, it's that we are really good at comparing ourselves to others. We tend to get stuck in the unhelpful narratives that play on repeat in our minds, and we struggle to set boundaries and create healthy love. Each week, I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife, mother, and business owner to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you 
you change the dialogue in your life. Tune in every Thursday to I'm Not Your Shrink, wherever you listen to podcasts. While I'm not your shrink, I am still human, and I'm excited for us to be in our vulnerability and humanness together. 